board, but eh, your schedule's pretty busy too. Well, and maybe we'll talk about that in uh, in this episode of Shiftless. Greetings and salutations to everyone that makes their wheels go round and round. What's up out there, shiftless listeners? We have a pretty decent morning. Man, this is beautiful, and I'm so, like, giddy that it's supposed to rain tonight. Makes me happy. Rain is a good thing. Yeah. Rain is a very good thing. We, I mean, it was looking like it was going to be raining all day today to begin with, but that that has shifted. They're still saying we're supposed to get, um, like, over an inch and a half. Yeah, so it's it, the, uh, the duration of the rain has compressed, but it looks like the intensity has increased, at least what's in, in the forecast. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. It makes we, me happy. We need it. We definitely need it, and it looks like we'll be able to uh, definitely get in uh, Fort Worth gravel crits before the big stuff hits tonight. Yeah. Tonight, so we should be we should be good to go there. So oh, we want to get into viewer mail. What? You send them to me, and, and I read them this time. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to be a better co-host. <laughs> Um, the co-host with the most mr brad green digging into viewer mail of, go for of, it none of these people left their address so i could send them a sticker though. i that's yeah I said. that is the case oh and i do have more stickers for you i forgot to grab them on the way Ooh, out the door that makes me super happy too i want to get them before i go to bt epic when it, when are you going to bt Maybe epic next thursday okay don't so, let me don't let me forget when we meet up tomorrow Brent, or next week. I mean, going to one of your states, Missouri. Missouri. Um, so this one comes to us from Caitlin. Don't no last names. Just, no last names. Let's not do last names. Okay. Okay, Caitlin. What up, Caitlin? It says hi. I started listening to your podcast earlier this year. I object to your claim that Houstoners tend not to be adventurous. I don't. I think that came from when we were talking about Houston Houstoners traveling for events. There were I, I there's a couple things that she could very well be touching on. Mm-hmm. I never said Houstoners were never adventurous, and I'll take the heat on the on this if that's okay. where she's going with okay. it. Okay, I'm gonna let you take the heat. Yeah, on it, I, I know quite a few Houstonians. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't say Houston folks weren't adventurous. What I said was when we do events down that way, the there isn't a preponderance of hardy riders mm. like there mm. is up this way. I'm not saying there aren't tough and hardy riders. That's not what I'm saying at all. It doesn't seem to be... Quick crawfishing, Kevin. It's not becoming. You said what you said. No, because we, we talked about it at the time, because we talked about our friend Shannon and, yeah. and his, his, his buddy. And, you know, it's like there's, there's definitely folks... Oh, there's some hardy people in, yes. in Houston. I no, mean, no doubt, no doubt about it. But when at the event level, mm-hmm. the people that show up, the for people events. that show up for yeah. events, s- seem to be under the Im- expectation of more handholding. Mm. Generally speaking, 
I hear Rody. I um, did. I did not say that. See, you're 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 burning all the bridges. <laughs> Roadies, e-bikers. Who else? Who else are you going to blast today? I, I don't blast. But anyway, anyone. please go on with. Yeah, Kate. let me get back to go. Caitlin's go back email. to Caitlin's. It's Caitlin, right? Caitlin, um, and she says I took a trip to the Lovett Trail this past weekend. Awesome, uh, September twenty third through the twenty seventh, and had a successful first biking trip, bike packing trip. You guys at Shiftless were a part of my success, so thanks. The Ride with GPS podcast was huge in convincing me to download it as my primary navigation for the trip. I biked the western one-third of the Lovett up to Hickory Nut Mountain. She said Hickory Mountain, but it's Hickory Nut Mountain, I believe, where I jumped into the gravel and small paved country roads towards Lake Wachita State Park and can confirm the Lovett is in amazing condition, better than I expected. So I suppose that that picture that I showed you... And I never saw the picture, but you told um, me about it. Um, well, I suppose that that has been cleared or that was a different part of the trail. So It, it, it could be either or. Yeah. So anybody that is a Love It trail expert on mm -hmm. conditions and how they change and what the maintenance schedules are or who's in charge of it and how that works, shiftlesslive at gmail.com. Keep us in the loop. But uh, definitely it's good feedback from Caitlin that yeah. it's not a wasted trip to love it right now. She says, also, the spinistry discussion about how to handle doggy friends on the East Texas Showdown group of events was very helpful for my mental prep for meeting lots of doggies on the country roads. All the best. Hope to meet y'all at a spinistry event sometime soon, but not sure which it will be with my work schedule. And then she sends a picture of her bike. She is loaded up to the gills. Yeah. I love it. That, that sounds like a great trip, Caitlin. Thank you very much for the feedback. I'll be honest with you. I can't remember. I don't remember talking about dogs, how to handle dogs. I think we touched on it some. Huh. Um, I think very, very casual offhand way, but I don't remember the specifics. I'm pretty sure we didn't have a specific episode around it. Uh, but, I mean... You and I are both very much dog people. Um, oh, I love, love me some dogs. Yeah, so uh, anyone listening that, hey, what what's Kevin's tip on dogs? Uh, just treat them all like your friend. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I've over the years, I've only had two if-ish. I'd only label one of them a bad dog encounter. Mm -hmm. um, and one other that was... Could have been if he could have gone either way. And, I mean, I see a dog out there coming or that looks like they might, you know, they might be zeroing in on me. I just start talking to them and, oh, you want to play? What a good-looking dog. And we're friends. And, and most of the time, if they were thinking about, and I honestly don't think most are being aggressive to begin with. I think they're just excited. They're, they're excited. They're, they'll, they'll do their territorial thing. Hey. Yeah. This, the, you know, th this is my Berg, mm -hmm. um, but uh, usually they just want to play anyway. And when you reinforce that, that, that typically takes care of about 93.7% of uh, potentially ne negative dog encounters. Seems accurate. But you have to be comfortable around dogs to begin with. And I get it. Um, I know there's people that aren't. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what advice to give those people. Uh, but maybe maybe we should talk to one of those people. And I I know somebody that uh, that that 
falls into that category. <laughs> I do too, <laughs> Mister. I hit the turbo when I see a dog. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, we got two more pieces of mail in that you sent to me. I'm sure we got more, but no, I send them all. Oh, do you? I, I do send them all. Well, I mean, we only have. 18, 19 listeners, so. I think we're back up to 20. Mm. But none of them are in Alaska or South Dakota or North Dakota yet. Mm. But Mississippi's going up the list. That's awesome. Mississippi. You misspelled it, but it's okay. First time emailer. Oh, this comes to us from Sean. First time emailer, long time listener. Love the podcast and appreciate that you are 99% bike talk. I don't know how you manage to stay so topic focused all the time. I, 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 I get a hint of sarcasm in there. Just a scotch. Uh, I just want to request an episode dedicated to the Rat 1000 since it is coming up very soon. I know Brad has wanted to do it for years and I bet you could twist the arm of the current FKT holder to be on your podcast. Uh, I suppose he's talking about Dana, yeah? That that would have to be Dana Birch yeah. that he's that he's talking about. I thought we weren't doing last names. Uh, well, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a known public record right there. I'm just giving you shit. Um, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the rat after it's kicking off this this Saturday. So we'll talk about it after. Yeah, the we fact, haven't so. mentioned anything about the rat, and it's literally kicking off this Saturday. Yeah. There's oh. reasons. Oh, okay. There's reasons, and maybe we'll you know, maybe we'll have a post rat episode, and we talk about. I'd love to some of that and where we're going with it and things like Why is that. Kevin being so secretive. I'm not being secretive. Uh, it's it's an evolutionary process, okay. and we'll see how things go this year to help us formulate what it looks like going forward. Just kind of brings us to our next email. Okay, from a guy named. It's a, is it a guy named Shannon? Or should we assume it's a female? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Because technically speaking, mm-hmm. even though we're not using last names, mm-hmm. there's a guy with this full Shannon and this last name. Mm-hmm. And there's also a female. Yeah. That are both. Both spinistry members. I believe so. So this could come from either or. This, this could. Hello, Mr. Or Mrs. Shannon uh, saw on Facebook that someone is going to do a documentary on the rat this year? Question mark. Can you confirm or deny? There, uh, there is somebody that uh, is planning to tag along and uh, do collect some documentary footage for a, a project that they're they're working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, I don't believe it's in, it's any. Uh, high-end Hollywood production or anything like that. But in turn, I don't know what their intent is. Who's going to play you in the Hollywood movie, Kevin? <laughs> Who? Uh, Danny McBride. Danny, Danny McBride. <laughs> that would be classic. <laughs> would, would that work? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of who would play you, but... Like, if Philip Seymour Hoffman wasn't dead, I would go Philip Seymour Hoffman, but... Rest his soul. Okay. I can kind of see that. Greenage, man. Greenage. <laughs> uh, who would play you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a role in this. Uh, Dak Shepard. Mm, that's not bad. 
I hadn't thought about that. I like that guy. Well, that concludes our mailbag. <laughs> um, our deep mailbag. Well, that, okay. And uh, yeah, definitely if you have thoughts, comments, concerns, shiftlesslive at gmail.com. It, that does remind me, um, lots of feedback over the past week from people that are listening and uh, indirect feedback from people. Uh, our, our friend Mr. Waldschmidt had some feedback from folks that he was riding around in another part of the state, and they're like, oh, I know you. I recognize your voice and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, we, uh, we, had, we, had a, we had a hill country ride this past weekend, and uh, I was quite surprised by the number of people that showed up for that ride that, that were listeners and into it. Uh, out at Gravel Crits last weekend, or last week in Fort Worth, uh, had a couple of Fort Worth PD bicycle patrol f- that came up to our staging area. It's like, hmm, what's this going to be? Because, you know, we had permission to be there and everything like that, yeah. but they didn't have any paperwork on me. It's like, is this going to be a thing? And they were like, oh, sorry we didn't get here sooner. We were busy. We had a couple calls. We were going to try to get in some laps with you. It's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. And they had uh, they had brought their actual personal sleds for official duty. Very cool. And uh, the started talking about listening to the show and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's 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 pretty cool to, and that's why I'm saying I I I don't buy the metric numbers that we get, and I'm not I don't lean on it by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but it just. Uh, just re- I have no idea how many people are actually listening to this thing and who, how so many are. there's possibly 21? Maybe, maybe inching up to 30. Oh. We, we may, I mean, yeah, triple digits, I mean, that would be no, something, you know. There's no way. Well, maybe, you know, five, six years of hard work, we might get there. Yeah. Um, what else is, what's going on in, in cycling news? Well, and I'm still curious why you're reluctant to talk about rat. I'm not reluctant to talk about it, um, especially it, since it's so soon. Well, I mean, there's there's no promoting it right now because this episode's going to be out after it, and we're not okay. actually registrations closed for it right now too. So, yeah. I would rather talk about How it. Many after, registrants, do you have? Uh, we had 52 people signed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to have nearly that many people. I'm thinking we may have a dozen that are out there this year. Yeah. The temperature, the hot summer, kicked a bunch of people's butts for their training plans. That th- makes sense. Th- this year. But what does the weather look like it's going to be? Don't know. I haven't mm-hmm. even looked. Oh, really? I've looked t- through Saturday, Sunday. That's about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't look. It's supposed to be high of 70 on Saturday here. 71 or something. Yeah, yeah. And low of 50. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Makes me so Absolutely amazing. Makes me so (laughs) The, um, and I was about to go somewhere and you threw me for a loop. Oh, well, so I I think it would be, I think it would be a more interesting discussion about the rat, rat after it happens this year. Okay. Kind of a rat recap see what we come across or see what riders run into uh, sort of thing and uh, talk about how it went this year and some of the ideas we have for, for next year. That's basically why it's, it's like, you know, 
I, I, I'm not talking big changes or anything like that. It's yeah. It's just part of the evolution. Everything evolves in in spinistry land, sort of thing. Um, one thing I did want to touch on because we we talked about uh, we talked about Jay Peterberry in a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. A, a little bit more detail has come out. Um, nothing surprising. Nothing surprising, nothing unexpected, but mm-hmm. uh, it was just like I was talking about. the The road was, I knew the road, and yeah. it sounds like where the tracking stopped, which I knew exactly where that was. It was just like there was unimpeded views for miles, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he he did nothing wrong. We you know. We mm-hmm. didn't think that he had, but, you know, we it was like, did he have earbuds in or something? Nope. Nope. Right. He's very anti-earbud. Yeah. He's he's just like us. He was talking about his ears when he's out yeah. there is, you know, like one of the biggest safety factors. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a kid that Jay doesn't know what happened. He got literally run over Rear-ended. from, yeah. from behind. And uh, the kid was ticketed and there was a citation involved and yeah so it wasn't a hit and run or anything like that yeah, uh, i told you i had heard that the driver stayed on scene yes and, yes yeah and i'm just clarifying it for anybody that might be wondering now that may, maybe didn't yeah. hear that last episode um and the the i mean the nuts and bolts of it are he's he's in the recovery process now yeah uh, he doesn't know what that exactly looks like. Seems to be in good spirits, though. Yeah, I mean, as good as you, as you can be. Yeah, he's he's definitely dealing with the unknown of recovery. Yeah, and uh, I I've got some familiarity with that along those lines. So uh, definitely wish him uh, my best. And I think it's fair to say our best. There's yeah. no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, uh, about that um it's not it's going to be an ongoing process there's no uh, i mean the guy was in great shape i'm sure he'll recover pretty well pretty i don't know what the extent of his injuries were besides a, he broke his pelvis didn't he bro, uh, broke broke a broke a humerus broke broke a one uh his wrist or something and i i think uh broke one of his you know a vertebra somehow or another but no no uh, no spinal injury or no paralysis or any yeah. anything like that but it's one of those things that um and again I'm familiar with it while you're when you get rolled by a car you, there's a lot of soft tissue stuff sure. that's involved that there they, there's just no way to know what's what's messed up at the cartilage and the ligaments and tendons and things like that yeah um and until the bones themselves are completely healed you can't start doing the things to go oh there's something wrong in this elbow here or whatever yeah sort of thing so it's 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 gonna be a process there's no there's no doubt about that and like i said it was obvious he's he's caught up in the unknown aspect of it because there there is no black and white to it of well in six weeks i'll be able to do this and you know the, the the traditional well they say it's going to take me 12 weeks to heal i am I'm, I'm a tough son of a bitch i'm going to get it done in eight yeah uh you know he he 
is leaving it more open-ended than that, it seems, at the moment. But, you know, those basic questions, yes, the, the person was held accountable to some extent yeah. at this point. Who knows wh- what that will turn into. He's got a lot of bills that he doesn't know how he's going to pay and all that. I don't know. Uh, we definitely want to do uh, that show with our insurance specialist to talk about some of that sort of thing. And it's going to vary from state to state. Yeah. As well. That's one of the big, th- nothing, particularly on insurance, there's nothing that's universal uh, in the United States alone, let alone if you start looking in other countries as well. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's it's a big difference just going over a state line. So what may be true in Texas is going to be completely untrue in Colorado, for example. Hmm. So that, that was just something I wanted to come back to a touch. We still wish him the fastest best recovery possible best recovery possible uh and you know whatever can be what keeps beeping that's my stupid mail on my phone gotcha you're so popular no spam mail i was looking at uh crank brothers has some new street shoes for flat pedals but i was looking at them because they're teal I bet they got great warranty on them. <laughs> uh, Are you a teal guy? I uh, love me some teal. How did I not know that? I don't, what do you have that's teal? I've never seen anything. You did know that. I've never seen that belt before in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. look at your crotch area. Oh, you lie. You lie and you know it. I was actually looking at this. Uh, Victoria has a 50-gram airliner now, which seems like impossibly light. 50 grams is like a fifth of a pound. No, no. It's like 50 grams. Yeah. It's you know, it's not even 52 grams. It's an eighth of a pound. Okay. Is that right? I don't know. 50 grams, yeah. Because it's 454 grams in a pound. Okay. So it's a ninth of a pound. That's right. That seems in, incredibly light to do any, like, do any real good. But I'm sure if Victoria's making it, they figured it out. That's pretty badass because traditionally, like, downhill and all the, the other run flat stuff or liners are, like, 200, 250 grams. So. Like Huck Norris and all those other liners. What? So, it's it's like a Cush core or it's just a liner? Well, they're calling it a liner. Air liner light. Um. But basically, yeah, it says so far one of the most popular options marketed specifically at cross-country riders is the Cushcore XC, which weighs in at 150 grams per insert. Okay, so, so I was a little high. So, and then, but at 50 grams, like literally so a it's third a thir- of the weight. It's a third of the weight. But 50 grams is literally nothing. Like, I mean, that could be the difference in, you know, one tire and another tire from the same... Same right. Same cut. It can be know? the same the same tire, just the variation. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I get that aspect of it. Oh, it's an open it's an open cell because it says that the foam is in the insert is permeable to air. So as the tire is inflated, the insert gradually soaks up the extra air like a sponge. That okay. Doesn't make sense to me, but no, uh, it it, it, make, it they're makes they're probably smarter than me. It makes sense to me. Um, that's cool. That's cool that somebody's out there doing that. Um, because 50 grams, I mean, 
I, I would have never ran inserts before just because of the weight penalty. Um, but I'm also not doing a lot of downhill, you know, they've always been a lot more beneficial for like enduro people, uh, sure. downhill guys sure. and stuff like that. But at 50 grams a tire, that's nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously most of the stuff we do is, is gravel. So, yeah. uh, my, the vast majority of my experience around the, the inserts has been gravel riders and, I have a I have a collection of inserts in the in the spinistry trailer that have been slung to the side of the road. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> it's well, not working yeah. out really well in that environment. I don't think. Uh, I don't think any liner that I'm aware of is is intended to uh, help with punctures. It's more of a compression or like a a, it's, a, it's, a snake bite. It's pinch flat stuff. Pinch flat stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mean. Uh, on gravel, I don't know if that would make any sense anyways. I think the only way to prevent a flat on gravel is having proper air pressure for your weight and the tire and the conditions. Well, that's you're back to pinch flat. Most, most of the gravel uh, flats over the years have been the traditional pinch flat. Yeah. It's, 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 roll, it's rolling down uh, an incline and hitting the flat at the bottom and compressing mm -hmm. that rear tire on yeah. a chunk rock. Yeah. That's, that's what it's almost every time, but it's not, it's not a ledge strike. It's yeah. not a big full boulder boulder hit yeah. or anything like that. So I think that there is somewhat of a difference there where it's, it's basically the same compression puncture mm. like a pinch flat, but it's probably more tightly distributed as a, as opposed to all the way across the width of the tire. Why wouldn't they just pick better lines? Because they're going faster, uh -huh. and it's a uh -huh. smaller rock. Mm. And I'd uh, say pick better lines. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Mm. So now you're bashing gravel riders. No. You're bashing gravel riders, <laughs> e-bikers. Look, uh, man, who, if you're not on a single-speed hardtail that's <laughs> <laughs> like pastel-colored with carbon hoops, you're nobody. No, I, I've said it many a times. If you're on a bike, I love you. I don't care what kind of bike it is, even if it is a road bike or an e-bike. <laughs> Any other cool products out there we need to... Man, there's... Um, I feel like everybody's kind of slowing down uh, on their releases right now. Yeah, we're going into the off-season. Yeah. We're rolling into the off-season. I was just perusing Pink Bike because they're normally dropping a lot of new stuff. And then I was just looking at the reviews. Where do you go for cycling news? I was going to ask you that. I get a lot of it just through social media and stuff. Cause I'm friends with so many cyclists across the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, it's, I'm kind of at the point where all the al algorithms on everything know to feed me that stuff. Right. It, everything from YouTube to, the gram to Facebook to, yeah. I tried playing on threads. Uh, I don't know anything about that. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the meta version of, of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I've never been a Twitter fan. It's never worked for me. I don't get the format. It's, it's, it's too smart guy for me. Basically, I'm too I'm too dumb to to tweet. Is what yeah. it boils down to. I used to always tell Cope, I can't tweet you. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that, that said, 
there is well i mean along those lines you know it's since i'm i'm in that algorithm like uh you know i guess there's another bike shop that's that's going out of business now this one's down towards austin it's Mm -hmm. cycles east which is uh you know they've always had a big social media presence on uh online influencer presence and they're they're kind of bike packing and, and adventure cycling oriented and and things like that or at least they cater to that crowd mm-hmm. very specifically i'm sure they do everything else as well and i've always heard good things about them but evidently they're they're shutting down after um many years as as one of the kind of uh premier shops down that way hmm. um and it's uh it's Stuff like that bothers me, to be yeah. honest with you. It's, I mean, I get, I get it. Bike shops are like restaurants, though. They come and they go, you know? I, man. Are and there... there's some, the ones that have been here for 20 years or are the, you know. I mean, Velo Republic just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. They're, they're going to have their 10-year anniversary while we're in Big Bend. I'm kind of sad I'm going to miss it. But um, They can come down to Big Bend and have the, the yeah. anniversary with us. Yeah. Uh, the bike industry is a very, very tough industry, you know, and, and I, COVID was one of many difficulties they've been forced to deal with. I mean, not that 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 was specific to the bike industry, but it did affect the, the bike industry overall. Um, and just like it did the restaurant industry. I mean, the the restaurant industry had to adapt and overcome, um, much like the cycling industry has, I mean, a lot of. No, I get, I, I get it. There's, you know. um, there's no doubt that uh, the virus stuff threw a wrench in just about every business type imaginable. I, I, but even without that, the cycling industry it, struggles. From it, it's all. It's it's always it's always been a tough gig, um, retail, local bike shop aspect of things. It's not getting. It's obviously not getting any easier and i and and i get it the shops themselves have to adapt and evolve with the times so i'm not i'm not blaming the customers i'm not i'm not blaming the industry per se um and and this constant change of uh standards and air quotes again is 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 a detriment to I, i I agree, and I—I I mean, I think I think I think that's as much the issue as anything, to be honest with you, because it's you know a standard we didn't even talk about the other day that we were talking about last night at TNSS handlebars, because <laughs> now they're up to I think mountain bike handlebars are going to thirty-five four. It, yeah, it's up over thirty-five now, yeah, right? And it was. It was twenty five four forever or something like that. I'm probably getting the numbers wrong. And something then it, like and that. And then it went thirty one point eight. Thirty one eight. And now it's like it seems like because it was a good idea on downhill bikes, let's just do it on the rest of the bikes. So it's thirty five four. I think is the new clamp diameter. So that I, means I new mean, bars, yeah, new stem. I, you know, I, I I think the vast majority of that stuff is. Uh, you know, not 
not planned obsolescence. It's unplanned. It's forced obsolescence. Is yeah. is a lot of it. Is is uh, what the bike industry <clears throat> is kind of falling into the trap of. It's like uh, you know we don't want you to have a bike that's going to last twenty years that you can just upgrade the parts sort of thing. Uh, it's you you know you have to get a new bike every three or four years to to be able to partake in the new parts is is what they're getting at do you think that's that's the plan or do you think that it is a constant evolution because i i see the handlebar argument just from a a safety standard a more rigid uh interface and it seems to be obviously a lot more durable was so, was there a problem with 31 eights i not in my book but I, I don't know I, you know i don't know anyone that's broken a uh, a handlebar that was properly torqued unless it was just some sort of catastrophic wreck mm-hmm. sort of thing um, or a roof rack that would fall under the category of catastrophic <laughs> No, I don't, I, as far as I know, thirty-one-eight wasn't like a huge failure point. That's that that that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is is is, a, is that addressing an issue that's not there? Sort of. Mm. If it's an issue, then sure, it makes all the sense in the world. I, I'm not dialed into the entire cycling industry by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Same. But I, I I probably see more of that than most. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not, I'm not aware of thirty-one-eights being an issue anywhere even in the most extreme downhill type situations sure if you hit if you clip an aspen at 40 miles an hour yeah you could break a 31.8 you could probably break a 35.4 too yeah so i i don't know i, I just <clears throat> it's one of those those things like the standards continue to shift and you know tire size hub width bottom bracket styles you know headset size now we have handlebar size not that that's really new but it's just crazy and it like we touched on before it's hard for people to keep up but it's also think about all the parts that as a bike shop you either have to have access to or you have to stock you know i mean exactly and then that's not even talking about colors you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in the day, back in the traditional, well, back when mm-hmm. Brad was a shop rat. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you you had your high end zoot zoot titanium spring bins. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. But you could have you you could have your drawers of bits. Yeah. That that whole investment was maybe two hundred dollars worth of bits. And they were all interchangeable with every bike that was. So any bike that came in the door, I need a crank bolt. Oh, here's the crank bolts or whatever. You know, I need a skewer. Here's a skewer. It just, everything was completely interchangeable. So, you, you know, you could work on every bike and have everything right there where you could turn stuff around. Now it's your only choice. Oh, I'm not a giant dealer, but you're bringing in a giant bike for me to work on. And... So I'm not going to have all of these bits, so I have to order them in. And I'm not a Giant dealer, so Giant's going to charge me basically retail price to bring in this part and to sell, you know, to fix your bike. Then I have to put my margin on top of that. 
And, oh, in the meantime, Mr. Customer, you can get it on Amazon at a 10% discount to my price yeah. and have it tomorrow. <clears throat> it's tough for the bike shop, especially the small-time local, true local bike shops to even compete with a lot of that. And now, on top of that, you have all these bike sh bike manufacturers that are going direct to consumer. Yeah, yeah. Um, can is Canyon's one of them. And Canyon, Loft. Intense. Uh, is intense direct now? Mm-hmm. I mean, technically Rebel is, but they they do a dealer network too. Yeah. Um, I I I think there is some sort of hybrid, kind of along the lines of Rebel. I I I don't want to I don't want to throw them because I don't know anything about their business model and how it works with the dealers yeah. versus direct. But there, for the majority of bicycle riders. The local shop is a valuable asset. I think uh, they're critical. Yes. They're, we, we can't do, we can't have a cycling community environment without local bike shops. I mean, the bike shop is always going to continue to change and that, that whole format's going to change. But bike shops are, I, I don't see a world where they go away. I don't want to. Well, uh, oh, I see away. a world. No, they're on the verge of going. We're mm. almost there, Brad. That's what I'm getting at. There's, mm. there's very few. I mean, we're, again, the Cycles East going away is an example of that. We're just in this area. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name specific shops. Sure, Velo's one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying every bicycle shop that's left is on the verge of going out of business i honestly don't know um and let's, let's just start here nobody's getting rich running a bike shop nobody and if they are they're money laundering or something <laughs> they're not they're not legitimately right. getting rich no, I would, owning a bike shop I, I i would agree with that completely you know we've we've touched on it multiple times uh you don't do anything from a business perspective in the bicycle industry uh with the expectation of getting rich you do you you only go this route based on the passion yeah. for the sport uh is what it boils down to um and there's a lot of niches that are like that so i'm not saying that's exclusive yeah. to the cycling oh, at yeah. all by any stretch of the imagination yeah that resonates with so many different industries yes um it 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 does pain me though Whenever I see those social media comments of, of where people are just don't, you know, they're not even going to consider utilizing a local shop because they can get their mail order bike for $200 less than what a local shop would charge for a comparable product. And those are the people that go in and get mad because they can't get a full tune up in an hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for developing that relationship with your local bike shop, you know, even if it is just from a service standpoint, you know, but there's also just that community feeling. I mean, there's something awesome about going into your well, bike shop. You that, well, ding, there, okay. And that ultimately, ultimately, that's what the downside has been in my experience of, of the, <clears throat> evolution of the bike shop environment um and and i get i i'm going to lean on it i the the lack of standardization is an integral part of this where the communities they're still cycling communities but they're so 
scattered now. And so this group of people that just ride this bike, so that's, you know, Facebook lets you do a group for, you know, 2009 to 2010 soul cycles yeah. riders mm-hmm. in north texas and if if that's your only group of people that you get feedback from if that's your echo chamber for for your cycling experience uh you have a community but it's outside what the full cycling community is not that everybody needs to be in everyone's business but i th- I, I think we're along with a lot of other things we've kind of gotten in this echo chamber mode where we get into these little niches and that's all that's all the feedback we get sort of thing so that becomes the norm and a lot of that norm is going away from uh supporting the local bike shops and that i i don't think that's a good thing kids support your local bike shop please do go in there and buy a water bottle you know Make it a point to buy something every time you walk into the shop. Even if it's, yeah, do you need a CO2? Do you need a tube? You know, or buy a tool from them. And I, I, and I don't want this to sound like I'm bashing the direct bike sellers because I get that too. It's tough for them as well. Uh, trust me, I'm a huge fan of loft bikes. Yeah. I think they have cool stuff. I, it was, I was a huge supporter of them when they were going through the the local shops but now they go direct and i don't want it to sound like i'm not knocking them they got to do what they got to do to stay in business same with canyon same with whoever else is out there but I, it's not helping local bike i want to i want to believe there's got to be some sort of middle ground there where uh there needs to be where they can all help each other out because mm. it's a very specialized industry uh, we, we, I don't we, think you can say that. Oh, damn. I just hit the trademark, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, they're going to ding us. We're going to get, <sighs> de- hey, get demonetized. It won't be my first. <laughs> oh, we're, we're beyond demonetized. <laughs> it won't uh, be my first cease and desist. <clears throat> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, All right. That's, that's, yes. I'm so, that's, that's getting on the negative side of things. Let's talk about. Here's something. a different tubeless valve that I've never seen before. Have you seen these guys? Fun, F-U-N-N. Nope. It says it allows, look at that, the bottom part, the, the part that's actually in the rim. Yeah. It says it allows for three times greater airflow, which I've never felt was a real issue. Well, that, Fully rebuildable, air release without removing the cap. What, how, how did, that, that doesn't compute. Compatible with tire inserts, CO2 inflators, and sealant injectors. What's the price point? 35 bucks. Well, that's better than your $50 yeah. ones. And it says, get this, it says they're easy to install. As long as you take the tire off the rim. Yeah. I mean, I mean is, is, I've never met. A, I've is never there met ever, a, has there ever been a valve stem that wasn't easy to install? I'm sure. Evidently, it's a, it's a known it's problem. A, it's a pain point. Yeah. It's a pain point. <laughs> uh, uh, I was watching this YouTube video last night. We're going to go slightly off the cycling topic, but it is loosely related. Okay. So um, I'm getting a procedure done on my knees to to hopefully make it so when I leave, I can step over the hose going forward. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I was, I had my first uh, 
I heard had my first injection yesterday for that, and it'll be a weekly thing for a while. And I uh, I was doing some research on YouTube. Just uh, you know, I know what my doctor says. I knew knew what some preliminary research, but it was after I got it done the first time. Well, I got more questions, and so I started digging around, and basically all the all the doctors that are into this type of treatment or you know the same basically the same thing my doctor is and then i found one negative uh about the process the procedure and i, I was watching this guy's discussion on it but all he's talking about he, he's so obviously catering to people that are scared of needles it's, mm -hmm. it's really the only negative he could come up with he's like well but you know for some people, that big old needle going right into their knee joint, it, you know, it's, you know, that can be painful. Mm. Or, you know, it's like a needle going into into your flesh. Yeah. It's, it's like a big old needle. And that yeah. uh, that's all. It's, it's, it's like, in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally in the brochure. We're going to do an injection. <laughs> exactly. And so it was obvious he was grasping at straws to try to find some sort of objection that's out there that, what am I looking at there? Boone Technologies cranks. Those are just sexy. Yeah, Look at that. That is that, no, that's sexy as hell. Hmm. And what's the price point? Oh, who knows? <laughs> All right, so let's go. So uh, last week's episode, you kept harping on the eleven hundred. Yeah, you kept harping on the. You know me so much better now after we dug into some of this mm -hmm. stuff. I'm a firm believer. There's two basic camps mm -hmm. there's a there's a form over function end of the spectrum and there's a function over form end of the spectrum now there is definitely yeah, bleed i was going to say it's not that black and white but there's, yeah I, there, there, there's definitely bleed over but people lean towards one end or the other much like politics i am definitely a function over form type guy mm -hmm. but i can appreciate a good a good form and every once in a while, every once in a while, and I'll use my wife as, as an example, I get lucky and max out both, mm. you know? But... What a simp. You betcha. <clears throat> yeah. But I am always going to focus on the function first. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, if you have something that's pretty that doesn't work, it's not worth the shit, you know? If you have something that works and is ugly as hell... Still works. Still works. Yeah. So I mean, I get it for, but if you can get something that's pretty and works, it's fun. I don't dispute that at all. Yeah. But typically, when you start getting into that realm, yeah, then the third leg of the stool is budget. Yeah. And uh, when my cheap bastardness at heart, that one's almost always a deal breaker. Yeah. Almost always. There, there are exceptions. Back in my wrenching days, we used to always say, if it's ugly as hell, it must be expensive. Because when, <laughs> when cycling stuff would come out, the, the top end, high end stuff, well, it was never like super sexy. Like when E-Wings came out, or they were called Sweet Wings back then. The, I don't even know what you're talking about. So. The tie bling cranks uh, that... Uh, Cane Creek has now. Okay, they call they're called EE e. wings. Um, but when they first came out, we were like, "Well, those are ugly as hell. They must be expensive." And they were, and they still are. So, did you want any coffee? I do not. Thank okay. you, though. 
What's that like not to drink coffee? I already had my coffee today. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've cut down on my coffee instead of drinking two pots a day. Now I drink one. Yeah, I only drink one pot, too. Mm-hmm. So, Or less than that when you show up and drink half of my pot. Cause oh. I, don't, I don't make more coffee oh. when you leave. Damn. I'm, now I'm glad I'm not drinking your coffee. No. It's, it's I, all you. I wouldn't share it with you if I didn't want to share it with you. I'd make you your own pot. I'm sure you saw this news this week. Maybe not, but I'm, I think it's a fair assumption. Uh, Surly cross-check, no more. Yeah, what's up? It's, <clears throat> it's very interesting. I didn't read the article. Uh, it was sent in my group, and I, I hadn't had a chance your, to read your, it. Your echo chamber? Well, um, I have a, a group I'm, text I'm, with I'm, like I'm, 14 other guys. I'm playing with It's you. all the Wood Ape Ramble crew, really. Um but uh, it was sent in the group chat yesterday, and I just, you know, saw the little thumbnail and, and read the headline, and I was like, well, that's a super bummer. Um, are you being attacked by spiders or what? What's going on? Uh, flies. Flies? Flies. I, I guess the, the sunshine's making... I guess the sunshine's making me uh, start to sweat, and it's attracting the flies. You should shower more often. I, I thought I did. More yeah. patchouli, bro. More patchouli. <laughs> more patchouli. <laughs> anyway, your your echo chamber would a bramble group. Yeah. So I I didn't read the article, but I mean it. I don't see where the article is going to say a lot that I don't understand. That's um, that sucks. But it what struck me was all cities going away, and now the cross checks going away. Is QBP seeing a trend that we're not aware of? You know, I, I don't see where where like that type of bike is because the cross check was in line with a lot of the all city kind of stuff. You know, it's a steel frame, uh, pretty simple bike with with fender well, I mean, mounts and you know all that stuff. No, there's the I mean the, the entire bike industry seeing the trend that sales have dropped fifty percent this year. Well, yeah, because they have such a backstock. You know, I uh, have a buddy that worked for Hans Johnson, uh, and right when COVID hit, we sat down and talked for, God, at least an hour and a half just about what what we saw happening in the bike industry, and not to say that I'm a genius or have a crystal ball or anything, but we are right where I said we were going to be three years ago. I was like... As soon as everything recovers and and everything gets back on track, there's going to be a huge backlog of of parts because everybody's going to be signing up. Everybody's going to double their workload. They're going to have all these orders in, and then the demand's just going to fall off because everybody's the market's going to be satiated. And now we're sitting on this mountain of parts that aren't going anywhere, and so everybody's going to back off production in three or four more years, there's going to be a vacuum where you're not going to be able to get anything because everybody's going to slow down production. Companies are going to go out of business and it's just going to be this huge, just peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, you know? Well, yeah, I think, I think, I think, um, I, I'm on the same page. I mean, uh, it it was obvious that the, the, uh, COVID, growth in the outdoors 
industry in general, you know, let alone just bicycle, mm-hmm. was not a, a realistic expectation for future trends. Yeah. Anybody that would look at that objectively would go, well, this is outside the norm. Yeah. Uh, Un- unsustainable. But that's not that's not the way publicly traded companies work anymore. They it's quarter over quarter. Yeah. So they don't look they. It doesn't do any of these C-level executives any good to project five years down the road, three years down the road. It's like, what do we – I have to make my numbers improve next quarter. So that they don't look any further ahead. But than that's them. not fair when you're, when you're making projections and adjusting budgets going forward based on an absolutely phenomenal year that was due to – It may not be fair, but that's the way it works now. That's, I'm not saying it's right. But it's not a realistic way to do projections you know, but it's the way it works now. It is the way it's done now. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, but I mean, if you if you were in a mom and pop, I'm going to take this to the restaurant industry for just a second, just okay. to make a, a, an analogy. If you ran a mom and pop, like think of um, what's that that shop, the the restaurant in Wataga, the chef uh, place. Um, it was a, a nobody little. The diner place? Is yeah. That what you're, I know that, what you're talking about. That was about. in the gas station. Yeah, I know so, what you're talking about. It uh, sucks, but I know what you're talking well, about. But they were just doing their business, doing their business, and then all of a sudden they were on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Right. Their spot got blowed up, right? right? So for a month or two months or three months, they saw bigger sales, longer waits than they had ever seen before. It's foolish to think that that's going to continue at that escalation. You're going to peak off. You're, you're going to valley out. I, I'm, you're, I'm you know, not disagreeing with I know. you. I'm just saying <clears throat> from a, a like intelligence you know, standpoint, did, you, you've got to be aware of what's going on instead of just going, well, we grew 20%. What's to say we can't grow another 20% next year? The shareholders don't care. That's, yeah. what, that's what it boils down to. So it's all about the stock price on a publicly traded company. Mm. So if you're a CEO and you go, well, you know, there's going to be a downturn in the industry here. So our quarter over quarter growth uh, won't be sustainable to the, those levels for the next two years. And that's a realistic projection. Then your stock price goes down. Your shareholders are unhappy. And even though you're completely right in making the right business decisions as a CEO, you're out of your, your job. Because all that matters to the shareholders is the stock price. It doesn't matter the fundamentals of the business and how it actually works. I was, instead of asking you, I was going to type in, is QBP publicly traded? And I typed in, is QBP? And guess what auto-populated? The only thing that auto-populated is, is QBP going out of business? Okay. They very well could be, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Say, I'm not throwing that out there as insider knowledge, or that's my expect. I'm no. saying it's. It's no, it, not either. I just. I just think it's interesting. It's something that could be going on yeah. because they don't. I don't believe they're publicly traded. I could no. be mistaken. Um, and since they don't have the shareholder buy-in. Yeah. Uh, so to speak, and they do, they don't have the stock valuation as a backup to credit lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe they don't have the cash to carry on in the traditional manner that they've done for. I don't know. I'm not speculating either 
either way oh, on and that. that. And that doesn't mean that they're going out of business. I just thought it was interesting. No, I get that, it. That that's the only thing that auto the, um But as far as the cross check being discontinued and and all city stuff mm-hmm. being discontinued, um, the you know the going back to the the uh, the the glut of inventory that you were touching on before mm-hmm. uh you know realistically probably what happened sometime in the past 12 to 18 months it was like they saw that the warehouses were stacking up with stuff probably steel stuff was due for another reorder and uh but they saw that their carbon and aluminum stuff was and titanium stuff was was building up and it came time to order another boatload or two of steel frames mm-hmm. and they said we can't do that yeah because we've got this glut of other stuff that's now five years worth of inventory at current numbers yeah so it doesn't make any sense for us to buy two boatloads of steel frames from our steel manufacturer that right makes now. Sense. so my guess is something like that is what is kind of what happened um, so the, you know, the cross check is still, I mean, realistically, what, it was a 25 year old roughly design. I think they up, updated it for disc brakes, but cross check. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's basically the same bike it's been for over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, the all city stuff, uh, I, that's, you know, that's kind of like their foundry cycles stuff. I believe they, you know, it was meant to be a sub brand and, uh, it probably was eating away at some of their other primary brand stuff. And it, you know, they're, it's like, we got to sell salsa and surly stuff. So this one just has to go away. I just found it, uh, a little strange that as soon as they get rid of all city, which was, they were all steel frame bikes that were very similar, uh, very similar to what the cross check is in personality. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then they come on the tails and eliminate a surly product that is similar. So, yeah, I don't. Th- maybe it's coincidence. I don't know that the cross check was that similar because, again, it was it was more old school yeah. approach. I mean, it's definitely not as popular as it was. But uh, you know, I mean, surly has their what's the, I'm forgetting what what's what's their current um, main midnight special. Mm-hmm. They, and they yeah. have a lot of niche bikes as well. Like, what's their grappler? Or the grave. Uh, They've got the straggler. They got a bunch of bikes. So that I, you know, I think more than likely it's. Do you really need to know more than the Karate Monkey? Well, it's. Not, I mean, it's not a drop bar gravel rig. That's true. It's not. So that's why I'm, I'm looking at. So the all city stuff and the cross check is more. On the gravel side of things, generally speaking. They have the Midnight Special, the Preamble, the Steamroller, and the Straggler. Those are all pavement. Um, what's I'm sorry, what's the Preamble? I'm not even familiar with that one. I don't know. It's a pavement bike. Okay. I, I read that as a road. But the Midnight but Special isn't road, and the Straggler isn't road. Those are both no, those are both adventure bikes. It says pavement. I understand. But my point is, it's an actually, it's, it's a gravel bike. But, because my... We have a straggler. Okay. I looked at the Midnight Rambler. Um, So the preamble is basically a flat bar 
I'd call, I'd call it a, a what do they call those? Um, a hybrid. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Hybrid doesn't exist anymore, but they're called adventure bikes now. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, that's a kind of what that's kind of what gravel bikes took over the that high. What were hybrids? Gravel bikes kind of do the same functionality where you can take it anywhere. Yeah. So that's why for the past five years, all the new people coming into cycling were getting gravel bikes. They weren't, you know, nobody was selling hybrids anymore. You could get a low-end gravel bike sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of, that's oversimplification, but that's basically how it worked. So you had a lot of people that were getting a low-end gravel bike and their bike shop says, well, you've got a gravel bike now. You need to go ride some gravel rides. Mm-hmm. There's all these cool events out there. And that's where we touched on it in the past where you have a lot of new cyclists that were coming in that didn't have the experience or mm-hmm. the fitness or the skill set to go out and do a hundred miles of gravel or, or do unbound gravel. But that's what they saw on the internet after they got their $900 gravel bike. That's what people do with gravel bikes. Well, they, it looks like you can get this with a drop bar bike too. They're calling it a commuter and gravel bike. Okay. So it is a hybrid. I mean, you can get it with a flat I, bar I, or a drop bar. And it does pavement and gravel, but let's be fair. You can ride anything on the pavement you want to. Pretty much. I mean, if you're so inclined, you can ride your big hit. I mean, the big bikes. the big difference is the I mean the hybrid bikes of old. A they were fifty pound bikes generally. That's speaking. true. Uh, they had their adjustable stems, mm-hmm. which were always a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. A, a new cyclist, it's it's like. A, this doesn't feel right. Oh, here, let's just yeah. loosen that and roll it up. It feels better, right? Uh, they they had their crappy forks on them, but mm-hmm. I like the idea of a cushy front end. Um, so all of, you know, the gravel setup kind of sort of adjusted that to some extent. You're, you're working with a, a higher volume tire, mm-hmm. so that kind of does the same thing as suspension. Um you know, you can get a flat bar version or a drop bar version sort of thing. And, uh, it, it also did that for a little bit with their journeyman as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which was their entry level versatile. They're hybrid hybrid. And yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. All the manufacturers have that. Yeah. They just don't refer thousand to, it as to a 2000. No, they, they're adventure bikes. Still a hybrid. It's the same general concept. Mm-hmm. It's the do anything bike for the do anything entry level bike. Yeah. Wow, a cross check's not even on their site anymore. That right. was quick. Well, I think that again, I think they just that's they probably did it with the cross check first, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, we're not ordering that, and that was probably something that went through the QBP system, yeah. and then it was like, well, if we're not ordering cross checks, what about this all city batch of stuff? Nope, not ordering anymore. I think. I think I heard they do have one more shipment of the all city stuff on the way sort of thing that was already in the pipeline. Well, they said it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to officially die until 2024, Right, but we're quickly closing on 2024. Well, later in 20, basically they got, they got another boat on the way sort of thing. And when they sell out of that, they're done with all slow boat from China or wherever from Taiwan, wherever. I don't know. I don't know where they, uh, they make their steel stuff. What was their fat bike that they were known for forever? Old City? No, no, no. Uh, Surly. Oh, man. I'm drawing an absolute blank. It's not on their website. 
Because now, now they still have the ice cream truck and the Wednesday. Right, right, right. Um, um, good Son grief. of a gun. I can't believe. I'm just... Pugsley. Pugsley. Dead gum. The Pugsley. And the Moonlander. Hmm. Yeah, Pugsley. Yeah, I wanted a pug back in the day. But yeah. I'm glad I didn't go that route. Your buddy Frazier has plenty of them that are your size. Okay. I doubt they're my size. Oh, that's true. That's true. I think he rides a medium. Pretty sure it would be a small. Hmm. Could be wrong. I think I think he rides a medium. What is that? Is it chow time? Is it chow time? What happened? Hold on, hold on. The hey, old, you're you're interrupting a shiftless episode. The old man's experiencing technical difficulties. Oh, no. You're 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 on speak you're you're on speakerphone. Do I need to plug you into the Bluetooth and start interviewing you real quick? No, give me a call back later. <laughs> Love you, Sean. All right, talk to you later. Yeah, about thirty minutes. That will that work? Yeah, there's no no rush. Okay, later. Love that guy. Um, that's good to know what his ringtone is. That cracks me up. Does that surprise you? No. <laughs> More cowbell. Hell yeah. Um. So, is it is it that particular genre of bikes is is going to be the first to to die off in the industry? Fat bikes? No. Steel bikes? Steel bikes. Steel oh. versatility, you know. Um, or I see, like when I watch... So this is what what's hard to kind of put together because I watch... Uh, is it Pathless Pedaled, I think? Um, he does a lot. It goes to a lot of boutique shows. He's a real... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, he's a kind of a... Uh, eccentric biker if you will he's, he, he's a retro he, grouch of he's, sorts. He, he's yeah he's, he's he, he likes simple he's trying to be the uh the 21st century sheldon brown yeah he he is much to your point earlier function over fashion uh in the cycling industry he wants something that is cheap durable and functional mm-hmm. um you know he's he gets excited about there. I saw a deal recently where they released updated friction shifters, and he was giddy over it. So. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of overlap in our philosophies, but he goes way yes. beyond. Yeah, um, but I don't I don't discount any of his stuff. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, when I watch his videos, he goes to a lot of boutique shows, and there's a lot of people out there making like custom bike builders that are making all city type bikes, you know, sure. that are steel bikes with all the mounts, fender mounts, and, you know, can do just about everything. And they're specking them the way they want, you know, with their staying with the industry standard that they embrace, you know, instead of yeah. being forced into this yeah. new deal. And I think that's part of, you know, the whole bike industry is this machine that kind of, runs itself because what what happens is every time a new standard comes on 
the big bike brands just embrace it, you know, and they start building their new bikes with this new bottom bracket standard, okay, well, think, or, you know. Okay, think about it, though. Mm-hmm. If the new bike you're building mm-hmm. is just a carbon layup that's mm-hmm. all computer designed mm-hmm. and with your what's essentially a 3D printer mm-hmm. anymore can be laid up to almost any spec. Mm-hmm. Are we there yet? Not quite, but getting pretty close to it. We just need a little bit more alien technology. The you can you can adapt a carbon layup on the fly, mm-hmm. basically speaking. I don't think you know how carbon works. We're pretty we're pretty close to that. No, you have to make a form, a mold. You have to design it in CAD. You have to... I understand. That's my point. All of those steps that used to take three, four, five years to put all those steps together can now be knocked out in six to eight months. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you say on the fly. I'm thinking like, you know, the guy standing there on the line making the frame and he goes, okay, this next no, one's going to no, have No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm talking about yeah. turnaround time yeah, okay. to retool. You can retool a carbon layup a lot easier than you can retool yeah. basically... I can agree with that. Uh, steel jigs and frames and everything else traditionally built. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're up against. It we're back. We're back to the non-standardization. Isn't working for steel frames, right? Because what made a steel frame affordable is that you could build a cross check for twenty years and not have to retool. Yeah. So you're losing money the first two or three years you're putting it out there. Sure. You're break even at year five. Year six, you're making money on that frame. Yeah. It's all gravy from year six on. But they but, redesigned but if the cross check a couple of times. Over 20 years. Yeah. They added disc tabs. No, they did more than that. It was, I'm just. You, yeah. You're oversimplifying, but I, I see what you're saying. So the, the traditional model for steel frames was break even in five years and then it's gravy. Yeah. Um, carbon bikes aren't that way. You got to be making money year one, year two at the, at the latest. Well, that's why they're so expensive too, but they're coming down. I mean, the smart, <laughs> we're back to, as far as I'm concerned, carbon's the new aluminum for all intents and purposes. And the steel frames are going to be relegated to the boutique brands is, yeah. is what's basically going to happen. Because no new bike riders come in with an appreciation for steel. So it's only the retro gratches that are looking for steel. Uh, I don't know about that. I think a lot of, well. If you're a newer rider and you're into steel, steel is real. Send us a message, shiftlesslive at gmail.com and tell me I'm wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I love me some steel. Um. I don't know, man. It's just, there's so many moving parts in the cycling industry. I just, I guess getting back to where we were, I just don't want to see a day where local bike shops are just done. You know, um, this is akin to, you know, you walking out to go eat and everything's a chain restaurant, you know, we're, I don't, we're, I don't, we're getting close to both. I don't like that. Well, I don't, like I, I, I don't either, but that's... I'm going to support a local bike shop over a big bike shop. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I, big bike shop's relative at this point, too. I yeah. mean, um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I lump the big bike shops these days into the local bike shops as opposed to... I still think that's... When I say a big bike shop, 
let's just say national brand mm-hmm. store banner. I'm, I'm not going to name any brands because I don't want it to sound like I'm talking about anybody specifically. You mean performance or Nash bar? No. Bike brand. Oh, bike brand. Oh, okay. Like an S or a T. Or a G or, or, a what, G. or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm, I'm not, I don't want this to sound like I'm talking down about anything. When I say, a lo- if there's a local mechanic mm-hmm. that's building your bike, mm-hmm. that's an upgrade over a mail order bike. Yeah. And I don't care whose name is on the sign or what bike brands are supported by that shop. Uh, cause that can change week to week as well for, for different reasons. So when I, when I talk local bike shop, I'm even, I'm even talking the, those, those big national brand bike local stores. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's still a critical community center, but those shops aren't. That's the other thing is if you find a good mechanic, take care of that guy. Betcha. Uh, you got a guy that, that knows how to fix your bike and fixes it right the first time, listens to what you say, give that guy a six-pack. Take care of him or, or food. Tacos. Or tacos. Tacos go a long way. And pizza goes a long way. So not only, you know, support your local bike shop, take care of your take care people of your ranch. that take care of you. Makes it makes a big it makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. You'd be I gu- surprised. I guarantee you, none of those folks are getting rich. Yeah. But, uh, and it's and it is man. How how tough does it have to be to keep up with all of these changing standards? And I was listening to I constantly deal with the bullshit that the cycling in it, like internal cable routing. I was just, I was, yeah. I was listening to the uh, geek warning podcast mm-hmm. last week and they're, they're talking about one of the, I think it actually, I think it's Canyon. Mm-hmm. So one of their bikes, I'm, I'm not sure which bike it is, but it has some sort of internal headset cable routing. Mm. I know that, what you're talking about. Yeah, it goes through the handlebars, through the the stem, and then down through the headset. Something like that. A lot of high end road bikes are doing that. So now. this is Canyon mm-hmm. Direct Sales. Mm-hmm. So they think that a home mechanic is going to well, be able it, to. Well, it com- it comes routed, preassembled, preassembled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if there's any maintenance that's to be done on mm-hmm. that thing, or I think there is a way to adjust the stem. For example, it's one of those that's it's, it's supposed to be. Oh, know. yeah. I can't imagine. If you had to put a spacer in there, I didn't even think about that. So. Holy shit. It's, when you go to the documentation for the, you know, how, how to maintain that, it, it's rated for like a two and a half hour job. To for assemble? A, for a professional bike mechanic to disassemble, adjust, and reassemble. No. It's like a two and a half hour spec job. To add a spacer? Just to work on that internal routing. Fuck off. What are we doing? Well, that's my that's my point. Is it, is it a road bike? I don't. I can't. I'm on Canyon site. I'm right as, I'm assuming it's a road bike of some sort, and but I can't remember exactly what bike they were talking about because they start talking Canyon and it's uh, I'm not paying too close of attention, mm-hmm. but I mean these these are these are the like, you know, th- these are the international wrenches of bikes yeah. <laughs> that that have been writing all, all the articles you know in all the popular publications for decades 
and they're talking about how, how uh, shitty of a setup this is, you know? Well, I mean, why are we even running anything internal anymore? I mean, I mean, I get aerodynamics. The aero, man. Sleekness. It's the aero, man. But if you get to it's that. It's so much drag. It's, it's, it's a watt and a half of drag to have that cable out there. But if you get to that point, I mean, you should be running wireless shifting anyways. And then all you're worried about is brakes. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I it's sleek. Have you seen, you know, the guy Danger Home? Do you follow him at all on Instagram? Or that doesn't ring any bells for me. Oh, he he does all these. Um, I'm gonna pull up Danger H O L M. So he builds these high end Scott bikes. Okay. Um, and he does oh. these. He does these super sick videos. But this is all internally no, routed no, too. No, that's not the one I was. Okay. No, he does a. He does. He's done a quite a few of them, but. They're really geared towards chi-chi parts, custom builds, super light, super sleek. But all this stuff is internally routed, too, obviously, aside from the front brake. But I think the new one he did, even the front brake is internal, goes through the head tube. But this all goes into the stem and then down through the frame. It's, it's insane. And super light on top of everything. Look at this. How sexy is that? Very sexy. Yeah. Very sexy. But he strips them down and does custom paint. And I mean, the whole thing is, it's probably a $18,000 bike. It's crazy. But he does some insane stuff. But all that stuff is internal, too. Yeah, here's a bike he built back in 2020. And it's 18 pounds full suspension, you know. You know who might have some insight into all this stuff we've been talking about? Who that? I could be wrong, though. And speaking of retro grouches, mm -hmm. would you be interested in uh, having Guitar Ted join us for an episode? Love to. Love to. Well, that is officially teased. Guitar Ted will be a guest at some point. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Just got the email. Oh. Thank you, Mark. Hmm. We'll hit you up. We'll do something here. Uh, you better forward that email to me. I just want to read. I just want to read. The, I want to be feel like I'm part of the correspondence. Um, that'd be cool. Well, I I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows where the cycling industry is headed. And fairly, you know, if if everything was to cease right now, there's a lot of bikes out there. I don't think anybody's going to go without a bike, but. The, uh, the availability of parts is what scares me more than anything. Uh, um, I, th I, th I think we're generally back on track for that. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply the same label to it. Um, the, the concept is disposable bikes. The concept is planned obsolescence. The concept is that you get two, three four years max out of a bike and then you just get another brand new one complete bike dropped off at your door mm. that's that's what it's evolving towards that's what they're trying to build the model around and with the idea being oh you're at the higher end of the spectrum well your dropped off bike will include a mobile service that comes to your door and uh, adjust it or it includes you visiting one of our partner shops 
And it's a very utopian dream, Kevin. I'm not. No, I'm not saying it's a dream. I think that's. I think that's the direction it's generally going. I'm more inclined, and maybe it's an old school mentality, but I'm more inclined to spend my money on a frame and wheels that are going to last, and then continue to change out my parts as they evolve, and hope that the industry standard doesn't chase me away. You know, but uh, I mean that's what they've been doing year over year over year for the past yeah ten plus years. Just but, but there's there's got to be you know there's a backlog of parts. Like I'm not gonna be without a bottom bracket for another twenty years. You know, it's not like they're gonna quit making the bottom bracket that goes in my bike. You know, and they're not gonna just stop making the style of cranks that I use. You know, um, in the twelve speed drivetrain. You're. you're you're the outlier, though. You're not. You are not the common bicycle mm. customer. How so? Because most people, and make no mistake, the local bike shops themselves have made their living off this as well over the years. It, the it's it's the n plus one mm-hmm. is integral to the industry yeah i mean it's a sickness i get it i mean i, I have it the know? whole the the whole industry is built on n plus one because yeah. it's a niche industry mm-hmm. and the customer base doesn't grow the well it ebbs, by, it ebbs and flows virus year yeah virus years are the exception they're the outlier and i think what the whole industry was hoping, like like you were just saying, it's ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last flow was the Lance push mm-hmm. that really grew the cycling industry in the in the two thousands, mm-hmm. and the whole industry has been waiting for the next Lance push since two thousand ten. You know, since the recession, they've been we we we've got another something that's like a Lance push coming. It didn't come. It didn't come. And then COVID comes in. Sales explode, and the whole industry goes, oh, okay, this is the – we didn't know what the Lance push was going to be, so we didn't know what the COVID push was going to be, so this is the next push. This is the next 10 years of business for us, and it wasn't. That's what they're caught up in now. So now they're having to correct for uh, over-ordering, over-producing, over-consolidating, uh, you know, buying all the local bike shops and turning them into box stores, which are now just becoming warehouses – a lot of situations it's it's a mess it is a mess and the you have this whole other direct segment of the industry that's disrupting what was and it's another you know it just complicates it that much more have you seen this did you see this video no what is it so this is jumbo visma the the winners of the tour de france this year this is a drone tour of their factory uh, warehouse, uh, training facility, just, it's a one minute video. This is insanity. This is how much money there is in cycling. If you're at this level, at that level. Yeah. But just, just look at this just for a second. Look at that. Every one of those bikes is 15 K easy, easy, probably closer to 20. Yeah. And, and just, but, but this is just the tip of the iceberg right here. Look, individual workstations, fitting station, Going to here, recreation area. This yeah, but is, this is hey, this is our brand. This is our kit. This is our previous kits. This is our 
I mean, it is, this is mind-blowing to me. And this is, like I said, well, that's not even all of it. They go upstairs and show, I mean, I it's that. insane. But that's, that's, that's um, Premier League. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Formula One. That's NFL. Of course, of course. That, that, it's not, it's not, that's not cycling. That's advertising. That's marketing. I get that's, it. I'm just, I'm just trying, I was just, just thinking about the disparity between that and what we're experiencing, experiencing at a local bike shop level. You know, we're still talking about cycling. But yes, that is Barely. that is. Mm, that's marketing. Yeah, I get it. I get that's it marketing. because Jumbo Visma is they're in it for exposure. Right. I get it, but I'm just saying. Still, that's not. They're pumping millions of dollars into the cycling industry. Um, I, I mean, they're marketing for their company, but they're right. also doing great things for cycling. Not only are they spending their own dollars on bikes and cycles and parts and kits and right. shoes and helmets and all that stuff but they're bringing people to the cycling industry as well barely mm. barely so that's the thing the, the the growth i don't know how you could argue against that because the the customer base growth isn't there the pe- new cyclists new people into cycle if they're bringing people into cycling you will see more people buying bikes that's not happening Fewer people are buying bikes. Well, because bikes. the balloon from COVID has officially deflated. No, no, no. I'm, we're ta- I'm, you take out the COVID years. You go back mm-hmm. to 2019. Mm-hmm. We're on a decline from 2019, let alone 2021, 2022. But the cycling industry has always done that. It's, it's, a, it's a climb. It's a descent. It's a climb. It's a descent. Yeah. Okay. We're on the descent. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just a descent from the COVID. It's a descent from 2019, which was already a down year. Mm. Is, is that, that's what I'm getting at. Um, so it's Yumbo Vis... What is it? Yumbo Visla? Visma. Visma. I'm probably saying it wrong. Tour de France, all of that. That's successful marketing because it is such a niche market mm-hmm. that, yes, even though it's not growing, it is... 10 million people, but just for a round number, 10 million people worldwide that are very passionate about this sport. Mm-hmm. And it's a very inexpensive way to spend X millions of dollars to indoctrinate those 10 million people. Cause it's you, definitely cheaper than F1. Or whatever. Yeah. Because you get, a, you get a very specific target audience that you, you know, if you run the numbers on them, the demographics are going to be just a slight variance from this court. This is who you're you're preaching to. And if this matches up with what you as a cell phone provider or an insurance company or a bank or whatever mm-hmm. else, if that defines your ideal customer, you're able to get exposure on a cycling team much cheaper than you would on an F1 team or an NFL team or whatever else. Uh, so that, yes, it's millions of dollars, but it's a lot less marketing dollars to get to your target audience than other avenues. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've gone round and round on that plenty. Let's see if I had anything on my notes that needed talking. I had viewer mail as my wrap up, and you you opened us with that. So oh. excellent job. I didn't mean to go out of order. No. That's not the way it went. You know, you can spend $20,000 on a Canyon bike and it comes to your house <laughs> and they expect you to put it together. 
20k. Yeah. Of course, it's a track bike, but that's crazy. But well, okay, but their version is twenty thousand. What's the what's the specialized version? Twenty five thousand. So yeah. you save five thousand uh, dollars, or whatever. You know, you know what I mean. I'm oversimplifying, yeah. but that's uh, that's the math on it. Um, but e- the best part of it is it gets delivered to your house and it doesn't fit right. Mm. That's mm. that's. I mean, I'm not a track bike guy, but that is kind of sexy. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the bike's sexy as hell. I mean, for twenty k, it better be. Look, if I ever spend twenty thousand dollars on a bike, just punch me. And maybe that's the bike they were talking about. Actually, yeah. You won't have to punch me. My wife will punch me. <laughs> but I mean, even even on the relatively lower spectrum, here's a a ten thousand dollar bike. You know that comes with e tap and. These super sexy zip, their their new profile wheels, and it's all internally routed. This is probably, you know, this is a their super sexy road bike, but it's 10k, and it shows up at your house, and you got to put it together. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Although, I th- I, I, I think they do have concierge service. I oh, think, but I would imagine. But so, I am not the typical because this is probably my preferred method like i would love for it to show up at my house and me be a part of putting it together like my last bike i built my bike you know i procured all of my parts and i assembled my bike by myself i'm not saying people can't do that yeah yeah yeah. but i mean i'm i'm not the norm in that realm i mean i grew up in shops and i love to wrench on my own bikes because i like to know what the problem is with my bike and i like to know how to fix it you know um but most people I guess when you get to this level, you're probably, hopefully, handy with a bike, but not necessarily. Some people just want to ride. They don't want to wrench. Go back you know? Go back to your titanium spring people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many of them knew how to work on their bikes inside out? Yeah. No. None. Okay. None. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. All right. I think I've talked about 97% bikes today. I think I'm about biked out. Okay. I want to go ride my bike again. Rode TNSS last night. It was nice. Struggle. I still don't have any fitness. I'm still trying to get back, but is it j- just from lack the, of riding the knee thing, or no, just the heat, just or combination of everything, or lack of riding? My mom was in town last week, and I didn't ride TNSS, and uh, I did not ride on Sunday because I was catering. Um, so I've had effectively almost two weeks off the bike, and you know it takes a toll. You better, you better get in, you better get in shape. You got, you got some pedaling at Big Ben to do. I don't have to sprint. Mm-hmm. I can sit on a bike and pedal all okay. day. All right. I'm talking about like on a single speed on yeah. TNSS, yeah. chasing a wheel, chasing, chasing folks or being yeah. chased. Yeah. I mean, we, it was all I could do to turn a 105 on the east side last night. So, um, not all I could do. I probably had a little bit more, but it was, it was big. You weren't feeling spunky. Mm-mm, not at all. I had a good time, though. I laughed a lot. There was a lot of living, laughing, and loving yeah. going on. Well, that's, so. all we, that's all we can ask for, yeah. right? Shall we? Yeah. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>